Welcome to this week's installment of the Bookish at Bethel podcast. I am Anne-Marie Koyster from the History Department, and I'm joined by Carrie Peffley from the Philosophy Department. This week, we'll be talking with Ray Van Aragon, also of the Philosophy Department, and we'll be talking a little bit about Nietzsche, we'll be talking about the Humanities Program as a whole, and a few other topics thrown in there as well. Um, I'm just looking over at Carrie Peffley, and I'm noticing that maybe... We have a similar sweater thing going on today. But other than that, we're actually looking a little bit more different from usual. That's um, true. So We normally look a lot alike. Today is an unusual day. Anyway, um, enjoy the next 20, so, uh, 20 or so minutes. This week, our guest is Dr. Ray Van Aragon from the Philosophy Department. Welcome, Ray. Uh, hello. It's good to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ray, I should also point out, is also, did you already say this? The I director of the Humanities Program. And so he's uh, the person who controls our budget and makes sure that we get buses that go to the MIA and all that other fun stuff, too. So Yeah. I'm the head honcho. He is the head honcho. Though yes. Susie Nelson does a lot of that kind of bus work. Yeah. Thank God me. for all those people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Ray, you are teaching on the Humanities 4 team this semester. Right. Um, so this is the first interaction any, well, some of our listeners anyway, will have with um, someone from the Humanities 4 team. So can you tell us what you're reading right now and talking about? Well, um, we're reading, we just finished reading Nietzsche. Our students just had their midterm. Um, before that, we, re- we read uh, Rauschenbusch and Pope Leo on, and Marx on socialism. We're going to read Freud next. So um, lots of exciting, strange stuff mm-hmm. for people. And you gave the Nietzsche lecture, right? Yes, I did. So what do you like about teaching Nietzsche? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh. First, first, for those of you in the audience who haven't read oh, Nietzsche... Yeah. Um, Ray, could you just give sort of a brief introduction to, to the text? Mm-hmm. Like, what do, what do you read and what are the sort of key highlights in the text? Yeah, so Nietzsche was a German philosopher in the late 19th century. He was um, kind of a sickly fellow himself. He was His writing is very um, nasty, angry, and highly entertaining. <laughs> um, he, his book that we read is called On the Genealogy of Morals. And there he doesn't try to say what morals are. He doesn't try to say what right and wrong is and how we should behave. He tries to explain why it is or where the idea that we should behave certain ways, ways where that idea came from in the first place. He thinks it's a fiction. He thinks it's made up. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, now you can ask your question. Right, Carrie. so then with that <laughs> necessary background information, what's your favorite thing about teaching that particular text? Um, one thing is it kind of shocks students, I think, because they hadn't really thought of, you know, Christian morality and the Beatitudes, for example, that mm-hmm. way. So Nietzsche is especially scornful of the Beatitudes because they say, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit. And they are basically, he thinks, a tool for weak people mm-hmm. um, to try to justify their own weakness and also to try to persuade the strong to start being nice to them. Right. So um, so that's kind of fun for students to think about, that mm-hmm. maybe morality, Christian morality, is playing a different role than what they think it plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, um, so Nietzsche thinks that we all act on the will to power, that that's actually our motivation. And uh, the strong do it in obvious ways. They beat everybody up and stomp on everybody right. and do whatever they want. 
Uh, but the weak do it in more clever ways, like by persuading the strong that they ought to be nice and they ought to be meek and humble. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, then another thing, so I like connected with that is getting students to think about how people act on the will to power, even when they act like they're not or they say they're not. Sure. So uh, and one of the things we think about, so there's obvious ways in which people act on the will to power. And we kind of, you know, despite the fact that we, you know, talk about humility and so on, we, we like seeing people act on the will to power in sports and in, <laughs> in business and so on. We really, sure. you know, we enjoy that a lot, even though they're not being humble or anything like that. Uh, but there are also ways that Christians do it and way that, ways that people at Bethel mm-hmm. kind of um, get their way mm-hmm. uh, by using religion and religious terminology. And so it's fun to have students think about how that happens. Do you have a, an example, a specific example of how you brought this up in the context of people at Bethel using their religion to get their way? I mean, there's a, a couple of classic uh, things, and you don't hear this at Bethel as much, I don't think, but where okay. I used to teach down in the south sure. in Kentucky, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you have to hear. So there was a professor I remember at a faculty meeting, and I don't know what it was that he wanted us to have to do, but he started you know, with his nice southern accent by saying, God laid it on my heart oh, to do such and sure. such. And of course, when God lays it on a person's heart, I mean, right. what are the rest of us to say, right? right. right. Are we going to disagree with God? So um, that's one Did thing. Did you, right? Did you end up disagreeing with God? In I don't that? remember what he said. <laughs> oh, okay. I disagreed with this professor a fair oh, sure. amount. <laughs> okay. um, not God so much. <laughs> so, so, no, and things like that, right? I mean, um, uh, things we talk about include ways that people gossip through prayer. Oh, you know, boy. they sort of explain things to God mm. that they're really trying to explain to yes. people. Yes, <laughs> Carrie has Carrie has a has a has a deep connection with that. Mm-hmm. Carrie, did you want to add something? There? I just I I remember many many times in in youth groups and and oh. Bible studies where people would say things like, "Dear Lord, I bring to you today this particular person yeah. because they've done X, Y, and Z, right. and we should all really judge them for that." But we want to lift them up, and yeah. right, mm-hmm. right. So when everyone else is like, "Whoa, that's pretty cool," <laughs> <laughs> we just found out that's sort of uh, dirt on so and so. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. right. So that's mm-hmm. that's one way. Mm-hmm. Um, another way that uh, students, I think, I think this may have been more common. At least the students in my class this year didn't really know much about it but it's you know kind of the dating thing same idea you know where god thinks we should be together yes we were in fact just talking about that in my humanities one seminar with regard to dido and aeneas because the gods are invoked in that relationship as well and so we were talking about it's never fun when someone breaks up with you because god told them to there's one yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. so yeah the idea is that you use you invoke the name of god to exercise power you know, mm-hmm. to exercise control over the situation or, or over other people. Well, I I uh, actually enjoy Fritz quite a bit, and uh, I just <laughs> thought uh, um, I would just bring in a little quote that I, I enjoy reading quite dramatically in my classroom. I don't know if you um, enjoy this, but uh, this is a little quote from Nietzsche uh, where he's talking about the large birds of prey right. and yeah. the lambs. Right. And if the lambs say among themselves, these birds of prey are evil and whoever is as little of a bird of prey as possible, indeed, rather the opposite, a lamb, should he not be said to be good? But then he says, you know, the birds of prey, they should be eating the lambs. And I just love the way that he talks about 
They're just, you know, exercising their nature. And that's really what we should be doing mm-hmm. instead of trying to exert the will to power over what is, in fact, our nature. And I just, that passage is one of my favorites. But. Right, right. And that's what that's what guilt is. I mean, so Christians manage to persuade the strong people that, in mm-hmm. fact, they should be humble and that right. exercising their strength is sinful. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, you know, the strong sort of turn their will to power in on themselves and feel guilt and feel... Right. Um, feel their conscience yelling at them and so on. Mm-hmm. So, love yeah, I love I love reading Nietzsche too because because of the scorn he expresses. Oh. It's great. Mm-hmm. Other than Nietzsche, who are some of your favorite other authors that we teach in humanities that you get to talk about? Um, I like I like the Lutheran Erasmus debate mm-hmm. for sure. Yes, I um, agree. That's just that's just really interesting. A lot mm-hmm. of you know it matters to students. Um, some of them have already thought about free will, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's in humanities. That's mostly the first time they they have to think about it right. carefully. Um, in our humanities cohort, we we read uh, Tolstoy's The Death of Ivan Ilyich. Oh yeah, and that is. One was that of the, the first great time? Stories. Was that the first time you read it? Was this semester? Have you we read did it last year? Oh, you read last it last year. Okay. Yeah. So just thinking about you know this this story of a man who's dying and and looks back on his life as he's dying and slowly comes to grips with the fact that he lived a bad life. Um, it's it's a very powerful story. Ray, you seem a little drawn to the dark side. If I <laughs> I don't do say so myself. Um, it's just I mean as. It is dark, but it's redemptive at the end. Yeah, okay, uh, all right. But also, you know, it's important for students and all of us to think about that, to think, right. you know, what what kind of life do we want to live? And um, there's an example of a guy who, on his deathbed, looked back and looked back on it, you know, square in the face and had to be honest with himself and realized that he hadn't lived a good one. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the rest of us don't really want to be in that situation, and it's something to keep in mind. Sure. I need to read that book. Yeah. You I really do. should. Yeah. You really should. Summer it's, reading? It's, summer reading. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to have a whole new segment on like the whole summer reading uh, list. It's about 50 pages. It can be done oh, in perfect. a day or two at the most. I mean, an evening or two. So short story. Perfect. Right. Perfect. Fabulous. Um, so, Ray, uh, what are some other books that you enjoy reading that maybe are related to Nietzsche? Um or would be like uh, provide some commentary on Nietzsche or have some other connections with Nietzsche? Um, I mean, I've studied Nietzsche in in philosophy classes, uh, but there's no one in particular who's like okay. a Nietzsche critic. There are people who who look at Nietzsche's critique of religion, and um, you know, in in some ways, he's so scornful that the arguments aren't. Yeah. I mean, the arguments aren't really careful. He's just sort of assuming that God doesn't exist. He talks about God mm-hmm. being dead, yeah, um, which is all fine. You can assume that if he wants, yeah. but then he's exploring the implications of that. But he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't argue that God doesn't exist. Um, and of course, there are plenty of people who think that God doesn't exist, but still think morality isn't something we just invent. Right. Mm-hmm. They think it somehow built into reality. Sure. Yeah. So with regard to teaching this sort of stuff, so you like Nietzsche, you're interested in Tolstoy. How do students respond to some of this dark stuff that you're drawn to? I mean, we want them to take a look. We want them to think about it clearly and recognize that these sort of enlightenment ideas that were all rational and that the order that we've come up with is is reasonable and enlightened 
um, this part of humanity's force sort of dedicated to showing that that isn't true or calling mm-hmm. that into question. And you get that with Freud, too. Yeah, I mean, and, absolutely. And Nietzsche and Freud both pointing out that our motivations for behaving the way we do, it's not reason. It's often our motivations are, you know, we deceive ourselves as to what our motivations right. really are, or they're buried somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not nearly as rational as we like to think right. we are. Or as Plato like, would hope we could be. Or as Plato would hope, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like students um, in the past have really, like, they understand that. Like, there's something that does actually, even though they would prefer that that doesn't exist. Like, mm-hmm. when we read Freud and Nietzsche, I feel like students really do understand that dark side and that dark motivation that they are trying to exert their will over and um, and enjoy self-control over. And I think that does resonate with students quite a bit. Yeah, you try Mm -hmm. to um, get them to think about their own behavior, you know, Mm -hmm. think about, you know, are there ways in which their behavior reflects what Freud is saying? Yeah. Well, and I'll just read my other favorite quote um, from Nietzsche. So, I had not read Nietzsche before we started teaching Nietzsche. I was scared of all the philosophy. That was my worst grade at Calvin was oh. I think I got a B or a B plus in uh, philosophy and I was I was baffled by philosophy. So I told my husband to give me like the, the three point summary of Nietzsche and the whole bit going into uh, teaching it, which was very helpful. He really liked the ancient Greeks and the heroes of uh, ancient Greece. And oh, that makes sure. sense yeah. given what we've just been talking right. about. But then there's this little section where um, Nietzsche actually talks about grace, and he actually says that grace is the prerogative of the strong, that it is the strong who are in the best position to offer grace. And I thought, every time I offer grace, like, here I am exerting my own strength <laughs> over the situation. So that was my little two cents mm-hmm. anyway. Right. Yeah, that's something you can do from a position of strength uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah. um, rather than beg for it like the weak people have to. Right. right. Those poor weak people. I actually first read Nietzsche at a. Uh, and Marie and I went to the same undergraduate we did. institution. Of did. And of yes. course, my husband knew Ray, but I don't think that we ever crossed no, paths. No, I don't, I don't think so. Although his wife and I sang in high school choir together. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Because that's how we do it. Yes. Um, but <laughs> Connections go way back. Yes. And we have Dutch last names. Right. We do. So there you we go. Do. Yeah. But um, I, I went to a philosophy like retreat of course you did um, right between between interim and first semester second semester i i think that's when it was yeah it's when like, he wasn't running right he was reading philosophy and I going to philosophy retreats mm-hmm. i think i might have run there i must have i'm sure you did maybe i yeah. took a day off yeah but um yeah i was at a like retreat center and we studied nietzsche that was my first exposure to nietzsche <laughs> so, so i think it was all uh people of the male persuasion if i oh, remember shocked i am i think that nietzsche appeals to them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To the maybe dudes. it appeals to everyone, mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> yeah there's something about that will to power that's right. very right they sort of persuasive yeah. of course my husband pointed out i think that i think as you even said fritz himself was not necessarily a strong man physically and right. was mm-hmm. actually really frustrated by the lack of good eyesight so Let's just put that in the mix that mm-hmm. this whole will to power discussion is coming from a person who maybe didn't feel that strong himself, at right. least in terms of the uh, ancient Greek yeah. heroes. But. I, I think he thought his will to power was expressed through his writing right. though, because he was highly influential. But mm-hmm. he also really, um, really thought highly of artists. Artists yeah. express their right. will to power with their creativity. Right. So it's not just, you know, the Vikings and the 
ancient Romans right. and all the people mm-hmm. that he It's admired. Wagner, and he Huns. does it right. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, though he broke off with Wagner. Yes. I think his mm-hmm. friendship ended. Because, yeah. Mm-hmm. So as you, so right now you're in Humanities 4. We're in Humanities 1. What do you, looking back over the Humanities program, do you think it's easier to talk about these sorts of things now in Humanities 4 than it was, say, in Humanities 1, as you de- develop relationships with your students over a year and a half? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, these are, and this is just the kind of material that it's good for them mm-hmm. not to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, True. But, yeah, you know, you get, uh, you build relationships with the students. They build mm-hmm. relationships with their classmates in the great way that the humanities program works. Um, and, uh, yeah, so at this point, hopefully they're in a position where they can be honest with themselves mm-hmm. and, and think together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's a great part of the humanities mm-hmm. program, and it's great to talk about it now rather than in humanities one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think, too, part of my interest in humanities is the fact that I'm reading philosophy, but I have on my team a philosopher Mm -hmm. who I know can walk me through some of the material and make me a better teacher of stuff that isn't maybe in my wheelhouse. So that's another aspect of the humanities that I sure love. Yes. It's amazing. I think it builds good relationships with students when, say, for me, when I'm trying to teach poetry. Right. And I struggle a little bit with that and being able to learn from Mark Bruce and Marianne Larson. Yeah. Model a little vulnerability mm-hmm. and the desire to acquire some additional knowledge because it might make us better people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. It's the joy of team teaching. Yes. Yeah. And, and growing. I mean, we, I've taught humanities, I don't know, for 10, maybe a not lot 10 of years. years, eight years or something. Yeah. And I learned something every time i mean it's it's such a great thing to be able to go through it a few times mm-hmm. yeah great um okay so we always ask our guests are you reading something for fun what is on your nightstand in terms of pleasure reading um not much now because i'm teaching a new course oh well so talk to us about your new course right? i'm teaching environmental ethics and i shouldn't Ooh. say it's a new course i taught it five years ago but i'm using a new book okay what's the um, book it's just a, a new textbook. environmental ethics textbook. Okay. It's a really good one. But, yeah, I haven't read it before. And, of course, I have to reread the humanities. <laughs> I have to. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have the wonderful opportunity to read all the humanities stuff over again. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, um, I do have books that I work through more in the summer than during the school year. During so, the school year, my my outside reading drops mm-hmm. quite a bit. It's limited. Yeah. Okay, so what is on your list as far as books that you are hoping to read for fun? Um, for fun? Yeah, for fun, Ray. That's, <laughs> do you know that concept? That's, no, I do. And and actually, it's most, not just of, my, running most of my reading is in the summer is quite light. Okay. Um, but I can't, you know, I, nothing, my wife kind of throws books my way that she what was the last fun book you read wow this is the most difficult interview i think i've ever done as far <laughs> yeah, as books. especially at this point wow um no there was a there's a hillbilly book do you know what the yeah the hillbilly, hillbilly allergy yeah yeah I, I read that that was i mean that was really enlightening actually yeah um so i read that i think at the in this past summer oh i need to read that i have read so, that I don't know. I read a book called, this is terrible. Well, what did you like about that book, Ray? Uh, It was enlightening to hear someone 
um, talk about his own upbringing in in poverty you yeah. know, in in the in Kentucky and then southern Ohio yeah um, and just talking about right <laughs> Carrie was Carrie, just pointing Carrie. to herself that's, that's where all my relatives are yes. from yeah <laughs> Carrie loves Ohio um, so yeah and and um, getting his insight on what it got out of him uh, got out of mm-hmm. got him out of that situation mm-hmm. and how he I mean he ended up going to Ohio State I think he, he was in the military for a while. Yep, he was. Um, and then he ended up getting a PhD at Yale, I believe. Yes. And so just to hear his insights about what got him out, what keeps people there, what, um, you know, social, the social safety net, um, yeah. the degree to which it helps or doesn't, mm-hmm. what he thinks should, right. should happen. Um, yeah. it's, it was fascinating. Yeah, I think I was a little surprised because he seemed a little conservative there by the end. Right, yeah. and he is. He writes for, um, I think he writes for National Review. Okay. Oh, wow. He, yeah. he is so it's not something I would have picked up if I didn't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have picked that up as I read along, read the book. Interesting. Okay. Well, do you have anything new on your nightstand, Carrie? So I just finished last night. Grief is the thing with feathers. Uh, Profound. That's a, that's Everyone good, should yeah. read it. It's like 110 pages long, so okay. it's a very quick read. Um, and I'm now starting Fever Pitch by Nick Hornby. So I'm going in a lighter oh, direction. Okay, that's that's probably wise. Fandom. Carrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Anne Marie? Um, I'm still I, I'm still in the midst of this big tome about the the this um, place for us or there's no place for us. The story about the Indian Muslim family living in California and right. trying to make the adjustments. Mm-hmm. Ray, were you going to say something? Um, no, I was just thinking of a book that became a movie. Was there a book, uh, The Art of Racing in the Rain? Was that a movie? This I read that not too long ago. Our oh. producer Sam is saying yes. Okay. That, that is <laughs> that was a good that was a good book. I haven't read a it. A good light book, okay. I would say. Mm-hmm. Nothing too profound. Great. It's nice. You know, I found in grad school, when you're studying philosophy all the time, it's good to have light reading. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. try to read Dostoevsky as bedtime reading right. when you're also reading philosophy all the time. Of right. course, my husband sure. likes me to read Dostoevsky to him on road trips in the summer. That is what we read aloud in oh, the car wow. on road trips. That's very admirable. Or stupid, but um. it's admirable if he can pay attention. Oh, he yeah. can. Okay. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Because I, my mind would wander. Yeah, mine and would I, too. I would lose track once you got the third, <laughs> the third name for <laughs> Ivan. Well, <laughs> there is that problem. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for being here today, Ray, and you've been listening to Bookish at Bethel. <laughs>